Thank you for the goodness of your spirit. This oh so great salvation. Oh Lord, thank you. Thank you, Lord, this very day for life and strength and good health. Heaven's many blessings. Oh God, we praise you. Everybody said praise the Lord. If you have a Bible, we're turning to the book of 2 Thessalonians. Very happy for each and every one to be here with us today. I know we're in the middle of the summer and glad for people to get a break. And uh, I'm also glad for those of you that are here. All right. We love you. Second Thessalonians. I'm turning to chapter 2. In verse 10, and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they received not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. I'd like to work this morning on Loving the truth. Loving the truth that you might be saved. You may be seated. The Lord bless you. A man of position. He, uh, he asked this question. He said, what is truth? What is truth? And you know, that's really a very legitimate question. And uh, I kind of feel like this guy, his, it was a composition of his question, and that is a certain amount of Discussed with things he'd run into in life, and and then there was also a hunger. What is truth? Just hunger for for what it is. Kind of at his Bible use the term his wits end. There are certainly people who have tried everything, so to speak. I want to tell you that I was, uh, there's a lot of examples I could give, I'm sure. So I'll just grab one out of the air. But it's like some people say that it's good to brush your teeth, 
with a toothbrush. Other people say that it's better to use a, an electric toothbrush. There are articles written by some that will tell you the manual toothbrush is the best. And there are others that will tell you, no, that's no good. You need to use an electric toothbrush. So that brings you to the point of what is truth. Who's right? About the time you read an article for something, you turn right around and read an article against that something. And, of course, everybody that's article that you're reading is an expert, right? So uh, it does leave you in a quandary. It leaves you being pulled two different ways to the point that you could find yourself halting between two opinions, that you're just not sure which way to believe. And I will tell you that when you get to this book, that's the thing that should bring, as Jesus said, search the Scripture. For in them you think you have eternal life. And then the challenge came, he said, because they are they that testify of me. You know, they wanted to, they wanted to cop out. And, well, Moses said, you know, <laughs> and that's because they didn't like the woman at the well. They didn't know who they were talking to, did they? They were. They thought they were just talking maybe to a another one of the prophets. Isn't that what Jesus said to his disciples? He said, "Whom do men say that I am?" Matthew chapter sixteen. Whom do men say that I am? We'll take a poll. And uh, they said, well, some say, you know, you're Elias. Some say you're Jeremiah. Some say you're one of the old prophets. That's getting pretty nasty, isn't it? Risen up. And uh, like somebody told me not too long ago, they said, hey, young man. I said, boy, you could say that to me all day long. I won't resent that at all. Funny how your perspective changes with age, isn't it? Because when you're young, you didn't want to be called young. And uh, I believe David said, once I was young, but now I'm old. And uh, so anyway, you, uh, Jesus finally narrowed it down, the focus here. He said, we're going to take this poll and we're going we're gonna to narrow it down. And he said, whom do you say that I am? Looking at his disciples. And that's when Peter spoke by way of which we want to speak. And that is by revelation. I'm not talking about something off the wall or weird or odd. Uh, not at all. But true light, revelation. And Peter said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, 
recognized it and confirmed it and said flesh and blood. He, he was going to show the difference. Flesh and blood had nothing to do with that answer. He said, but the Spirit, my Father. Now, you better get the, the revelation right there. Okay? It's, you have a body. You have flesh. You have the man, Christ, Jesus, known as, now coming out, the Son of God. The Son of Mary. But in Him dwells, according to your Bible, the fullness of the Spirit bodily. That's why I'm not God right here, right now. I have... No, that's funny. Okay. I have... Well, it's one of the reasons, anyway. I have the Spirit of God. I have the gift of God. According to the Bible, I have the gift of the Holy Ghost. All right? But the Bible teaches me in subject matter that when any of us receive the free gift of the Holy Ghost, that we receive the Spirit by measure. But the man, Christ Jesus, the Son of God, the Son of Mary. He had the Spirit in fullness, according to the Bible. He didn't have the Spirit by measure. In Him dwell the fullness of the very God bodily. That's why the Scripture said in John 1 and 1, in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God. And the Word was God. Verse 14, And the Word, that was God, was made flesh. Where did that flesh come from? Well, the Bible teaches it came from Mary. Because that which was conceived in her was of the Word, the spoken Word of God. Just as God said, Let there be light, there was light. And just as God's Spirit said, let there be conception, there was conception. And so the difference is that people, had a man say to us, and particularly our young men, and I happened to walk up on that conversation, and he, he would not believe what we were telling him from the Scriptures, as I'm telling you, for an example. And he, he went to Matthew chapter 16, where Jesus said, Flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And he said, right there, that's it. See, he had a Father. Goodbye. We're out of here. And that's because he, that person, and many others think naturally. Okay? The Father is not a man. Okay? He's a spirit. John 4 and 24. But the Father who is a spirit, this one God. How many times are you going to read about one God in the Bible until you believe it? But see, then the devil, the liar that he is, he worked through people who split from the original church. 
and he worked in them false teaching, opposite of truth. And in doing that, they carved up the Godhead. And they, instead of God being one, they wanted to say, well, actually he's three persons, co-equal, co-eternal, co-existent. He's a trinity. That's what they said. That happened about 325 A.D. History teaches that. And, uh, but you know, the church that Jesus started, the only church that he ever started, church being not the church house, but the body of Christ. Don't think natural. Not the church house, but the body of Christ. Okay? Don't think natural. Not a father such as I am a father. Okay? But our heavenly father, who is God, is a spirit. Okay? So don't think natural. He's not an old man, kind of humped over. Don't you just love it when people say, well, is God black or is God white? He's neither. Neither is he red or yellow or purple or any other color you're going to come up with. He's a spirit. John 4 and 24. And this invisible God chose to show himself visibly by speaking the word over a virgin girl by the name of Mary. And because he said, let there be, there was. And that was which was conceived in her, was of his spoken word, his Holy Spirit. And then she brought forth the flesh. She was used to produce the flesh. And that's what she wrapped in her swaddling clothes. That's what she gave birth to in the manger, in the stable, and wrapped in her swaddling clothes. And that's what she brought with her husband who was the supposed to be father. But he wasn't. And that's Joseph. And they brought this child to the temple, to the church house. And they presented him according to the law. And in so doing, this is where Simeon of old, who served God day and night in the temple in the house of God, held up that child and said, now I can depart in peace. He had no peace until that moment. I'm going to tell you what, you're not going to have peace until you fall in love with the truth and be saved. The truth will save you. Yes, Jesus Christ is the truth, but he's not generic. He's very specific. Okay? And you've got to realize that when you come to this great word of God, when you come to this, what the Bible teaches, study by subject, rightly dividing the word of truth, and that you believe it, and that you get away from natural thinking 
And that's what Jesus challenged the woman at the well. He said, if you knew who you were talking to. He told them in another place, he said, there's one that standeth here among you that's greater than Solomon. And then when they brought up Moses, he said, Moses wrote of me. What are you talking about? <laughs> and then the real clincher, he said, before Abraham, he said, I am. Oh, friend, you talking about getting their attention. And, but sometimes people, instead of, again, reacting for a love for truth, they get mad. Their, their sense of natural sensibilities gets offended. Their tradition gets offended. The way they think gets offended. Well, you know what? It's not how you think. Naturally, that is. It's what God says and what you think about that. He is the author and the finisher of the faith. For it is written, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Okay? One faith, one truth, one fixed, firm, set of principles of belief. The Bible said and used the term the principles of the doctrine of Christ. And we've got to embrace those principles. Doesn't matter what your background is. Doesn't matter what your family said. Doesn't matter what anybody said that's claiming to be an expert. It all comes back down to this Word of God. This subject matter. This rightly dividing the word of truth. It's, it's like this. Jesus said it. Do you believe it? And if you will, then that should settle it. Right then and there. That should settle it in your heart. You know, when I was come to Florida, first time I ever came to Florida, I was 16 years old. I was a sophomore in high school. We got together in the summer and we drove down by way of the Okefenokee Swamp. We got a little sleepy one night and drove right off into the swamp. Thankfully, we didn't go too far into it. And, and uh, But anyway, I remember they accused us of being drunk, and the guy that was driving said, man, I ain't had nothing but my mama's peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and iced tea. What are you talking about? <laughs> and so they let us go, and, and just kids, we got here to Florida. And boy, when we saw that sign, welcome to Florida, we got out and kissed the ground, literally, not knowing that that sign was still 350 miles away from Miami. <laughs> and brother, we got back in that car and kept seeing those big green and white signs, you know, and we were like, couldn't they make these exits closer together so we could get there? And so anyway, we finally made it to Miami. And uh, that was my first introduction to Florida. Very long state. Then we, I came back to go to college. And uh, I was introduced to many things, the best of which was I was witnessed to by a man that was in the body of Christ. His name was Guy DeStefano, Brother DeStefano. And he 
was in the church and his brother was a general contractor. And his brother said, I've got a young man that needs a job. And uh, he's 20, just barely 20 years old. Have you got, you know, you're a subcontractor and I give you lots of business. Can you give him some work? He said, yeah. He said, I'll hire him. So right away, he's thinking, I'm going to win this guy to the Lord. And uh, I know that now looking back, obviously, from hindsight. Didn't know it at the time because I didn't know anything about the Lord. I had never read the Bible. I didn't know anything about anything. I just was a smart aleck. I thought I knew things. But I didn't know nothing. And uh, so anyway, started working for him. First day on the roof, I had dress shoes on and a, a suit on a roof, learning how to sheet a roof. Oh, brother, was I a rookie or what? And uh, I wasn't I wasn't black, I wasn't white, I wasn't yellow, and I wasn't red. I was green. I was just plain green. I was a rookie. And uh, so anyway... He started witnessing to me and talking to me about the Bible and Jesus Christ. And I was, you know, I wanted the job, but, you know, I really didn't want that. And uh, I remember he offered me a Bible, and I said, nah, I don't want that. You know, I had my old long hippie hair and had my chinny-chin-chin. Oh, I thought I was so grown and such a man. But I came to find out I I wasn't even dry behind the ears. Came to find out I I was pushing away the very thing that I desperately needed. Because I was a know it all, a smart aleck. Thought I was seeing things in a better light. And uh but you know he didn't quit, he didn't give up, he prayed, and he was an example and a light to me every day. Until finally, one day, the Spirit of the Lord got a hold of me. And I said, hey, I said, you, you know that Bible? Um, do you think I could have that? And brother, yeah, the Bible he was going to give me was about that big. And that day when I said that, he handed me a Bible that big. <laughs> I guess that's what was ready at hand. We were driving along in the car going to a job, you know. And I began to read that Bible. And uh, the Spirit of the Lord got a hold of me. I began to read it. I'd go home after, well, first of all, I'd go to break around 10 o'clock and I'd read it. And then I'd have lunchtime and I'd read it. And I'd go to afternoon break around 2.30 and I'd read it. And then when I'd get off, I'd go home and get my wife. and We'd huddle up together and I'd read it. We'd read it together. And uh, truth was reaching for my heart. The Spirit of the Lord, because God is truth. And uh, as I read the Word, I began to ask questions. I began to ask Brother Stefano, who, you know, had been an habitual gambler. He would leave the job every day at 1 o'clock so he could catch the last two or three races, horse races. He was just addicted to gambling. And uh, 
That was part of his testimony. Because when the Lord got a hold of him, and he got baptized in Jesus' name, and he received the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now that's one of the characteristics of truth. There's a good change that takes effect in your life. You don't use those bad words anymore because you have a filter now to get rid of those bad thoughts. You have the Holy Ghost. And you get delivered. Saved. That's what saved means. When you love the truth that you might be saved, you might be delivered. Then you don't, you don't want the, the booze anymore. And you know, to a person, to a person that is addicted, that's a problem. Somebody said one time, you don't know what a problem is until you've got one. And that's, that's right. And there are people that are, well, Sister Ann teaches Super Church downstairs. She's 76 years old. She's been here with us over 20 years. And when we first witnessed to her, she was an alcoholic. She had been married and divorced from an alcoholic. Came from a long line of people that were involved with alcohol. I'm just pulling one thing out of the air here. But uh, had a problem. You could look down on people and say all kinds of harsh things, but it's a disease. It's a sickness. It, it's an addiction. And if not anything else, you find yourself addicted to sugar. Because <laughs> it's got a high kind content of that alcohol there. But you know, people, people get truth. And they get delivered. They get saved from things. Stanna doesn't drink anymore. Because one morning, we every invited, like we will this morning, everybody to come to the front for family prayer and to receive the Holy Ghost, to worship, take a moment, spend it with God. And she was standing right here. Suddenly, she just broke out. And she came up, she started weeping, crying. And God filled her with the Holy Ghost and delivered her from alcohol. Never wanted alcohol again. Over 20 years. Over 20 years. I asked, somebody asked me the other day. He's, I'm tra we're training him. Given Brother Andre, he's done a great job for us. We're giving him a little breather from all these kids and and so we're training up a young one, Roderick, and uh, hopefully they can understand him. <laughs> He's got that Jamaican accent thing going, you know. And uh, but anyway, uh, he said, you know, he said I'm teaching Bible study to a young man and Roderick's a young man himself. And uh, he said, What do I do? He said, because this young man has some things that he's involved with and used to having. And uh, I said, just teach him the truth 
that he might be saved. Teach him how the scripture teaches, except you repent, you should, you'll, you'll perish. So you've got to repent. You've got to turn around from the direction you've been living and going. You've got to turn from that. And about faith. And, uh, and I said, and then teach him what the Bible said, to be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And I said, and then inform them, having done that, you will receive the free gift of the Holy Ghost, which is the Spirit of Jesus Christ, which is the gift of His Holy Spirit. Okay? One God. He's the Father in creation. He's the Son in redemption. And He's the Holy Ghost in the believer's heart, in the body of Christ, the church. One God. One God. I'm a Father, I'm a Son, and I'm a senior pastor. But there's only one of me. If you see more than that, better go to the eye doctor. Get them rechecked. Okay? Get them rechecked. Okay. So, I said, you know what? If you teach that young man that and focus him on that and don't go off on tangents, just focus on that. I said, and he'll get that experience. Whatever it is that he's wanting and used to and habitual about and having that's not good in his life, I said, you know what? He won't want it anymore. I said, it's as simple as that. I said, don't put the cart in front of the donkey. Let's get first things first. Jesus said, you must be born again of water and of the Spirit. You know? This is Brother Altes sitting here, and I could shake his hand all day long, but it's not going to save him. And truthfully, if I want to shake hands all day long, I'll shake with Sister Frenchette. Because she's got the best handshake of anybody in the whole town of Belgrade. The woman knows how to shake a, a person's hand. And uh, I don't know if her parents taught her that or what, but she got it. And uh, But I don't save her. That doesn't save you. doesn't save you. And being a nice person, Altes is a very nice person wife doesn't deserve him, but she got him. And she's a blessed woman. What can I say? And, uh, and nobody shouts like Altez shouts. And I love that. I love the uniqueness of the Holy Ghost. Yeah. I love the way God does things. We get a guy here, we call him Brother Dance. He'll come visit every once in a while. He came so much, I finally, I commanded him to be baptized, and I baptized him <laughs> in Jesus' name. <laughs> and uh, he submitted to it, and and, uh, but he, uh, if we had a pole, I'm sure he would use it. But he, he uses the end of the pew most of the time. And uh, I'm just being truthful with you. God love him. He, I just want him to be saved, and I tolerate him. But he, I don't know where he gets his dance moves from. I'm not sure what club he goes to in between church services. But uh, I noticed that, you know, he'll be out here, and then sometimes he gets going over here. 
and he likes Pete on the guitar, and Pete's going after it, he'll he'll start getting with that. And then, you know, I'll kind of make a move towards him, and he'll get the message that I better get back over here where I belong. And he'll do that. And, uh, but he, uh, <laughs> he's uh, quite a character. And uh, in doing his thing, then all of a sudden, you know, the music will stop, and a different kind of music will start. And it will be heavenly music. And the Holy Ghost will sweep into this place. And the church will begin to respond. Men will come off the platform and off the front pew and they'll run around the church at times. They'll get so excited. Somebody said, well, they shouldn't run in church. Yeah, well, I'd rather they run in church than run with the gang in the street. Because, you know, the ones that run with the gang in the street, they come in by way of a coffin. And then I have to do their funeral. But, you know, if they get in the church house and they worship God, they praise God, you know, they're not going to be running down in the street, the gang, thugs. We're not raising that here. We've had young men leave because they were new and then they left because they, they visited with us because we wouldn't allow them to get with our young ladies. You know, so they'd go to other places where they would let them get with the young ladies. You know, and uh, first news you know, somebody's having a baby. There's no marriage. There's no husband. There's no husband-wife relationship. There's just a baby or babies. You know? And so it's a cycle. Same old, same old, same old, same old. But you see, when you get a love for the truth, the way God does things, the principles of the doctrine of Christ, when you truly get saved, that is, delivered from sin, then you, you don't want to transgress God anymore. You don't want to do things your way anymore. And so, you get delivered from fornication. You get delivered from adultery. You get delivered from alcohol. You get delivered from crack cocaine. You know? You get delivered from all kinds of things that are out to destroy. You know, the Lord said, I didn't come to destroy. I came to give you life. As a matter of fact, I came to give you more abundantly. I didn't, I didn't come to, for you to think everything is restrictive, you know. Oh, no. He said, I'm going to give you life. You're going to have freedom. You're not going to have bondage. You know, bondage is, know you not that to whom you yield yourself servants to obey, his servants you are to obey. You make yourself a slave. Because you yield to the wrong spirit. That's why Jesus, for an example, looked at Peter one day, his disciple. And they're walking along together. You know, having a good day. You're getting taller, you know that? I remember when he was 
You choose some. A lot of them right here. Yeah. And uh, so, they're walking along and Peter said, they're going to take me. And they're going to, the Lord said to Peter, they're going to take me. And they're going to beat me. They're going to whip me. And then they're going to crucify me. Old Peter, his hand goes to the hilt of his sword. And he's not so. I'm not going to let that happen. And the Lord stops dead in his tracks and he looks and he says, Get behind me, Satan. He's like, Satan? Satan? Yeah. Oh, yeah, but the Lord said, Get behind me, Satan. The Lord saw the spirit of those words and those sentiments. That inspiration was not of God. That wasn't the same spirit that said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. It was a completely different spirit <laughs> that said, I'll take his ear off. I'll take it. And I think Peter meant to take his head off that day, actually, in the Garden of Gethsemane. Right? And he got that servant of the high priest's ear and because uh, they had come to take the Lord. And uh, I guess Peter was, that's where that line should have come from. I just can't help myself. <laughs> Whipped out after the Lord had told him. Right? Told him, that's the devil. That's not God. And uh, so the Lord said, put up your sword. He said, you live by that, you're going to die by that. Oh, yeah, you live by alcohol, you're going to die by alcohol. You live by drugs, which alcohol is a drug, but any other form of drug, you're going to die by that. Okay. You live by sin and transgression. I don't care how much religion you, you surround it with, you're going to die by it. Yeah. It's a deception. And that spirit of deception got on Peter. I'll, I won't let them. The Lord said, get behind me, Satan. He said, you savor the things not of God, but the things that are of the enemy, the flesh. Oh, no. He said, don't you realize? And how many times did he come? If, if, I, if I want to, I can call. I can pray right now. And I can have legions of angels. He said, but if I do that, how then is the scripture going to be fulfilled? How are you then going to be saved? I've got to fulfill the scripture. Didn't come to destroy it. I came to fulfill it. Though in fulfilling it, it did pretty much destroy it, didn't it? <laughs> it definitely put it in the past. And uh, we stepped into this beautiful New Testament light. This great light that sprung up that people were sitting in darkness. And without revelation, you sit in darkness. Without the spiritual truth, we sit in darkness. People want things that's not good for them. Sometimes they're addicted. They can't help themselves. But let me finish. Jesus is in the garden. Gethsemane, having just prayed, not my will, but thy will be done. That's flesh. 
praying to the Spirit. I lead you in prayer quite often. That's flesh praying to the Spirit. Everybody said amen. amen. But remember, I have a half a glass. I have it by measure. The gift of the Holy Ghost. The Spirit of God. Okay? But He had the fullness of the very God bodily. The Word that was God was made flesh and dwelt among us. 1 Timothy 3.16 said, God was manifest, clearly shown, in the flesh. This child, this son that was given unto us, the Bible said his name, Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. You know? That's who he is. He said, there's one standeth among you whom you know not. He said, so don't throw Moses up to me. Don't, don't brag about Solomon to me. Don't talk to me about Abraham. <laughs> he said, for Abraham was, I am. And that was a very specific choice of words. And he said, Abraham, he, he rejoiced of what was shown him about me. Oh, yeah. Truly, the greater, the less is blessed of the greater. And Jesus is the one that truly brought the blessing. Because the Bible talks about the blessing of Abraham. But where did Abraham get that blessing from? He got that from God. And that's why Jesus at the well, he said, woman, if you knew who you were talking to, he said, you'd ask of him. And he'd give to thee water. You'd never thirst again. Teach him the truth. Teach him a love for the truth. Won't need that alcohol then. Won't desire it. That's the difference. You won't desire it. You know, the Lord doesn't just take something away. He take, when he takes the bad out of your heart, this is your heart, not this pump down here that circulates, beats 100,000 beats a day and, and, uh, and circulates 12,000 miles a day in your life. Okay? That's the pump. That's natural. Quit thinking naturally. Your spiritual heart is the seat of your thoughts and your intellect and your emotions. And you've got to love him. You've got to love this truth. People talk about, I'll be saved and sanctified and filled with the Holy Ghost. When you get the Holy Ghost, that's what saves and sanctifies you. Okay? People want to talk about three separate works of grace. The Bible never taught three separate works of grace. It never used that terminology any more than it said for you 
to be saved by accepting Christ as your personal Savior. Those words are not in the Bible. Never were those instructions ever given. Let's learn to talk, to believe, and then to talk the language of the Bible. Let's say it the way God said it and the apostles said it. Let's get the doctrine of Christ, the apostles' doctrine, and let's believe that. Let's receive a love of the truth and be saved. If you don't love the truth, you can't be saved. But if you love the truth, it will save you. It will deliver you. It will pull you out of the fire. Whatever fire is consuming you. Some people are being consumed by the fire of drugs, alcohol, promiscuous lifestyles, which brings all kinds of disease and mayhem in their lives. Some people are being consumed by depression. Spirits bring depression. Isn't it nice that one man said in the Bible, I think myself happy. You know, if you can order these, these thoughts and these steps are right, then you can start thinking happy thoughts. Godly thoughts are happy thoughts. Thoughts of true liberation. But you don't, you don't have to have it. You don't have to have it. Because you can sing with us, I got it! <laughs> I got it! <laughs> oh yes, I got it. Nothing like the power of the Holy Ghost. Yes, sir. I was just a young man. Didn't even know I was searching. Didn't feel like I was searching because I thought I knew everything. And, uh, but I, man, I found myself asking questions. And I found myself saying, why didn't they tell me this? Because, you know, for so many younger years, till about 14 years old, I, I had some religious instruction. Never Bible, but religious instruction. And uh, I, I wondered, why is the Bible, now I'm reading the Bible, and I'm, why does the Bible say this? Nobody told me that. Nobody said anything to me about that. And I would ask questions, and then it would come back, read it for yourself, look right here, and I'd read it, there it is. You know? I remember somebody came around with their blue book and their red book and their purple book and their green book. And they were talking to an elderly woman down the street here, and they asked me to go over and sit in on the meeting. So I did. And uh, I listened to the spiel until finally I said, um, that Bible there, could you open that Bible? And I said, yeah. I said, would you open it to Acts chapter 2 and verse 38? Okay, opened it up. I said, would you read that? So they read it. Then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And I said, could you answer this question for me? When does it mean just exactly what it says. They never did answer that question. Five of them came to my house one day, and one of them was an 11-year-old girl. The rest of them were adults. I let them sit down in my living room, and uh, 
I let them tell me what they want to tell me. And when they got done, I said, okay, I've listened to you. Now I'd like you to listen to me. And uh, I began to teach them from the Bible, chapter and verse. And so, finally, when I got to that part about being baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, one of them said, well, what's baptism for anyway? And I said, well, you let the Bible answer that. I said, I'll tell you what, as a matter of fact, why don't we let this little 11-year-old girl read it to us, and it'll tell us what it's for. How about that? And so she opened their version of the Bible, which they wrote, and it said the same thing. That baptism is for the remission, that is the full pardon or the forgiveness of sins. Close the Bible, the end of the little lesson, and out the door they went. Some people are consumed with religion. There's a difference between salvation and religion. We have people here today that have been healed. Many of us at one time or another have experienced the healing hand of God. It was small back in that right-hand corner. He couldn't... uh, he couldn't really do anything. They had him in the hospital. Every kind of wire and tube. A big chrome shunt about that long sticking out of the top of his head down into his skull. Oh, put him in the intensive care unit with all that apparatus. He couldn't walk. He couldn't talk. But God healed him. He's here this morning. And he's been here every morning for the last, since he's been healed, which I guess has been at least a month now or more, six weeks maybe. I remember when the nurse in the hospital was so excited. This was over in St. Mary's in West Palm. And she said, you just don't know how far he's come. (laughs) And I'm like, well, I know how he's got there. (laughs) I know how. How he's got that far, I know who's done it. Amen. Amen. And we've had many come. The truth will make you free. It's often misquoted, the truth shall set you free, but that's not what it says. And I'm not wanting to pick. I don't mean that. I simply mean it it said, the truth shall make you free. There is an authority. There is a power. Okay? The truth shall make you free. Jesus wasn't going to let a spirit interfere with what he had to do. He said, get behind me, Satan. Jesus wasn't looking at Peter. Jesus was looking at that spirit that showed up. You ever read in the Bible where the sons of God had a day where they came before the Lord and Satan showed up along with them. Hmm. But you know he always wants to get his big nose in things. 
Yeah, he he wants to mess up the good thing that God's trying to do for you. And about the time you start making a move for truth and to love it, to believe from your heart that form of doctrine I'm quoting in your Bible. You make a move to start doing that. You can look for the enemy through family, through friends, through fellow employees, through so-called friends. You can look for the enemy to try to move through them in some way to hinder you, to hinder you, to keep you from doing it God's way. And Jesus identified that spirit. Get behind me, Satan. For that's not of God at all. Those words, those thoughts, those actions, that's not of God. And uh, Peter overrode that. Now, he didn't have the Holy Ghost yet, so give Peter a little, cut him a little slack. He didn't have the Holy Ghost. He was in a training process. He was being taught Bible study at the church. And they're in the Garden of Gethsemane. Now, time has passed. Lots of miracles. Lots of great things have taken place. Lots of training has taken place. And as Jesus had said, the time is coming where they're going to take me. They're going to whip me. They're going to beat me. They're going to spit on me. Put a crown of thorns on my head. And they're going to crucify me. That time now is upon him. And the betrayer shows up. As Jesus told him, Betrayest thou the Son of Man with a kiss? With an endearment? Oh, he's such a slime. <laughs> that spirit. And When, Jesus, when Judas identified who Jesus was, you know, the Bible said he made himself of no reputation. He wasn't standing around bragging on himself all the time, doing all kinds of things to draw attention to himself. As a matter of fact, he'd heal people and tell them, don't go tell anybody. <laughs> and, uh, but um, as Judas betrayed him with a kiss and identified who he was. The soldiers begin to crowd in to take him. And that's when Peter drew his sword. And in his haste, he lopped off that man's ear. His name was Malchus. He was a servant and a kinsman of the high priest. And uh, lopped his ear right off. And Jesus said, you put up your sword. He reached down and picked up that ear and put it right back on there. And then they said, we're, we're looking for Jesus of Nazareth. And that's where he said it again. I am he. When he did that, the power of God just swept them all back. Knocked them back on their heels. 
You know, truth will do that to you. Truth will take your breath away. Truth will arrest your attention. Truth will stop you dead in your tracks. And for that blessed moment, by the grace of God, you'll see the truth. You'll see the truth. You'll see what's right. I've seen that happen to people many times. And you know what? Some of them, some of them will obey it. Now, Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, which is a chapter that deals with the Antichrist and the teachings and the spirit of Antichrist, showing you the deception of that spirit. Get behind me, Satan. Showing you that deception. And how that Jesus made it clear in his words that there's, there's going to be a deception. And because people received not the love of the truth, that they might be saved, then it only leaves the other option, the other side of the coin. That is, if you reject truth, if you don't love truth, then a lie is coming your way. And Jesus identified that. Get behind me, Satan. You're a liar. You're the father of lies. We're not having nothing to do with you. We're not going to do things your way. You make alcoholics out of people. You make drug addicts out of people. You mess up lives. Twist them. Pervert them. Until people are destroyed. They're destroyed. They find themselves in the wrong place for all of eternity. They find themselves in the wrong place. You know, while you can get out of your dilemma, why don't you just go ahead and get out of it? All you need to do is repent. We will baptize you in water in the name of Jesus Christ and then you'll be born again of water and your sins will be completely forgiven. Every wrong thing you've ever done will be forgiven, washed away, sent away, and remembered no more. People sing nothing but the blood, but they refuse to be baptized in the name that has the blood. Isn't that quite a contradiction? I've heard people use the name of Jesus religiously quantum amount of times, over and over and over and over and over. But then talk to them and they'll just get done telling you how much they just love Jesus. And I'll say to them, you know the Bible teaches right here in the Bible to be baptized in the name of Jesus. And 
they'll fight you tooth and toenail. But yet, we love the name of Jesus, they say. If you love his name, you want his name. You want his blood. Because you want your sins forgiven. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. That's what your Bible says. The truth of the scripture. Oh, but it's going to cost me my friends. It's going to cost me all my religious friends. Gee, I thought you loved him. Yeah. woman told me just the other day, some of the young men with me. And uh, she said, nobody believes that that's right. Aren't you tired of everybody being against what you believe? Well, I guess I better not get that way because the Bible said that the church, the body of Christ, is going to be hated of all men for his name's sake. all nations for his name. For his name. And his name is Jesus. And just parroting his name is not having his name or his blood. Jesus said, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. I'm talking to you about loving the truth that you might be found. Shall we stand together? There is a spirit that will twist up your mind and your thinking. The writer said, we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him. So that's what he's talking about. He's talking about the coming and the gathering, or the return of the Lord for the church and the first resurrection, known as the rapture to people. Though it's not a Bible word. But catching away is a Bible word, and that's what rapture means. That you be not soon shaken in mind, or be troubled, neither by spirit, no, get behind me, Satan. No, by word, nor by letter as from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. He's saying there's some things that have to take place first. Now, this is written almost 2,000 years ago. So as a lot of time has gone by, we're this much closer to the coming of the Lord, to this day that he's speaking of. Let no man deceive you. Let no spirit deceive you. Let no word deceive you by any means. He said, for that day shall not come. Except there come a falling away first. Well, we already had that in the Jewish subject matter. Okay? So don't get all pessimistic on me. Oh, there's going to come a great falling away. No, there's going to come a great outpouring of God's Spirit. And that man of sin, this is the second thing, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. Who is this guy, this man of sin, the son of perdition? He opposeth, he exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he, as God, sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that 
He is God. He's going to say He's God. And now, you know what withholding that He might be revealed in His time. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only He who now letteth will let until He be taken out of the way. That means only He who now restraineth, hindereth, will restrain and hinder until he be taken out of the way. God's going to deal with that spirit just like he did. Right? Okay. And then shall that wicked, capital W proper noun, that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming, even him, whose coming is after the working of Satan, get behind me, Satan, with all power and signs and lying wonders, with all deceivableness of unright. He's going to pull out all the stops in them that perish. Why is that going to happen? Because they received not the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this cause, God, shall send them strong delusion. Those that didn't believe. Those that wouldn't obey truth. That wouldn't love the truth and be saved. God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. That they all might be damned who believed not the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Some people don't believe the truth because they like what they're doing. They like their booze. They like their crack. They like fornication and adultery. They like the lifestyle they're living. Okay? But I'm telling you that in the end, it'll boil down to believing the truth. You're going to believe what God is saying or not. This is where the search ends for you if you wanted to. Search the scripture, he said. Search it. The scripture is shouting to you about me, trying to tell you about me, trying to tell you the truth about me. That's what we call the truth about the truth. Oh, yeah. It's not generic. It's very specific. So if you... Want to know how to be saved? Then please listen very carefully. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sin. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all them that are far off even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Believe that, because that's the truth. Don't cast that off. Don't shut your mind down to it. Don't let Satan influence you. Family influence you. So-called friends influence you away from the truth. Believe the truth. 
Have a love for the truth that you might be saved. Let's take a moment, shall we? Lift our hearts with our hands. We're going to sing and worship. Praise and magnify that name above every name, that name of Jesus Christ. He loves you. He's here to help you. We're here to help you. Oh, yes. Rejoice. 